warm welcome to you all. Hope you'll thoroughly enjoy our program. Political bombing or political violence. There is only criminal murder, criminal bombing, and criminal violence. We will not compromise on this. Are you all right, Bobby? I'm grand, Ma. Are they feeding you all right? starting a hunger strike on the 1st of March. You're going head-to-head -head with a British government who are unshakable. Well, I don't know about you, mate, but I've had more enjoyable Thursday evenings than I had this week. What did you think of it? <laughs> well, it, uh, it left me appreciating the decor of my um, my home <laughs> and my sleeping situation. Um, but um, certainly it wasn't the right film to, to watch while eating a pizza. Oh, <laughs> I mean, looking back, I think I've, I would have had a lot more enjoyment from something like Carry On Up the Kyber or something, you know. But this was a first-time watch for the pair of us, wasn't it? This was uh, it, it, on, chosen on a whim by myself, shall I say. Well, you have these whims, and um, <laughs> sometimes they're more enjoyable than, than, than others. And uh, I'm not saying there wasn't a goodness to this, but um, it certainly wasn't a, a reproving laugh of... Um, an experience made me think I'll certainly say that it's certainly um, I certainly came away from it uh, with a troubled mind it was very active my brain after watching this uh, um, this 90 minute movie well a, tr a troubled mind and mind on troubles oh well played sir well played <laughs> <laughs> this is why I'm here so if you anything else so the only reason I'm here so if you haven't guessed we're, we're reviewing Hunger from 2008 Steve McQueen's debut. Am I right in saying this is his debut picture? Because he was a fashion designer or an artist. Am I right? Correct me that's, here. 
yeah, yeah, that's the background he, he comes from, in, and it's not to be confused with um, a film um, featuring <laughs> David Bowie. Yes, the um, yes, yes. So it's in t- an entirely different concept to, to that. It is a directorial debut, and it is thought-provoking and fairly um, intense, really. I would say. Yeah, intense is one of the words I would use. I mean, for people that don't know, I've got a bit of a synopsis here. Right, now this is from the Criterion uh, Criterion release of the DVD. With hunger, British filmmaker and artist Steve McQueen has turned one of history's most controversial acts of political defiance into a jarring, unforgettable cinematic experience. In Northern Ireland's Maze Prison in 1981, 27-year-old Irish Republican Army member Bobby Sands went on a hunger strike to protest the British government's refusal to recognise him and his fellow IRA inmates as political prisoners. McQueen dramatises prison existence and Sands' final days in a way that is purely experiential, even abstract. A succession of images full of both beauty and horror, featuring an intense performance by Michael Fassbender, Hunger is an unflinching, transcendent depiction of what human being is willing to endure to be heard. You're a little bit younger than me. Were you aware of this story at the time, mate, 1981? Not at the time of, of 81, no. I, I was you know, a bit too young to be aware of anything, really, mm. apart from, from, from Lego. Um, <laughs> and, and Lego and Charlton the Wheelies, I think. Oh, my well, yeah. At that time. So, so and yeah. unfortunately, there isn't a Charlton the Wheelies film, so we won't ever be um, reviewing in that depth. I am uh, very aware of Bobby Sands, um, definitely from my adult life, and mm-hmm. my heightened awareness of, of politics, political yeah. struggle, all these kind of things. Certainly featured um, and spoken about by a number of musicians as well as elsewhere. And there has been some depictions of him in different ways in, in, in films and stuff outside of this. Is there? Oh, there's other there's, there's, yeah, tellings of the story. There's a couple of films, yeah. But they do more with his, his life in entirety rather than this sort of uh, specific right. episode. Yes, I'm aware of of his existence and aware of his part he played within the, the struggle and the, and the political situation. And I think that this film, it, you know, dramatic expose of, of what happened, mm. um, uh, but in in an artistic way um, as well. It's, it, you know, the, the, uh, the symbolism in there, the, there's artistry in there, which does show uh, Steve McQueen's um, background. Mm. Um, where he's coming from with the, the, the visual. Wasn't what I was expecting, the way the story was depicted, because for people that haven't seen the movie, there there's three distinct sort of parts to this, possibly four, but the actual hunger strike itself is literally the last 20 minutes, isn't it? It's just over a 90-minute movie. The hunger strike is about 20 minutes towards the end. Yeah, and Bobby Sands doesn't turn up until like halfway through. Hour in. Yeah, I mean, a th- third third of the way into the film, he he didn't make an appearance until yeah. then. My initial thought after about fifteen twenty minutes into the movie is the dialogue editor or the person responsible for the script must have had the easiest job in this whole production because there is literally no dialogue or any. <laughs> meaningful apart, dialogue is there for the first apart, 40 minutes yeah apart from really a, a specific what is it is it 12 or, or 17 right. minute 
yeah we'll, that, we'll talk about this uh, at length yeah um apart from that there's certainly you know about three times as much dialogue in in that one segment than there is in the rest of the film the rest what of the makes film is, it more impactful mate because yeah. there has been so little dialogue up to this point guys if you haven't seen this film basically what happens is it's pretty much dialogue free or it's background dialogue or you know there's a couple of radio broadcast you can hear margaret thatcher in a couple of bits you know doing political speeches and stuff but then the whole shift changes to a two-way conversation that lasts unbroken for 20 plus minutes the actual one camera shot is 17 minutes long but the dialogue continues for a further five and it's 28 pages of script between two people but we will go into that because i think that is the highlight of the film leading up to it it's it's not bobby sand's story it's the story of the guys that were doing the dirty protest the blanket protest in the May's prison but equally it's the story of the prison officers and one prison officer in particular and yeah. it's a story of people that are brought to the extremes of you know with, with regard to bobby sands himself when you've run out of every single option you've got no weapons left in your arsenal what have you got left to fight with your body basically this is what he uses as a weapon to get his thoughts his feelings his his protest across but it's just the build-up to it and it's done in such a clever way there's a slight flashback at the beginning mate isn't there because it starts with the prison officer with the bloody knuckles washing his hands keeping them cool there, there were a couple of jumps in yeah. there where they're, they're sort of flashbacks and you don't i don't think you quite get the placing of where those bits are for a little while further, further into mm. the film and you then reassess what you what you did see then mm. um with regards to that the, the putting the, the hands in the water submerging them and as you say seeing the knuckles and things and a, a few bits where that you know firstly we know over bobby sands of this young lad and it's not until about 10 minutes later you see him as a young man playing out what he'd already been uh, giving to the priest as a story mm, um, yeah. and you realise that that looming over him had been uh, a, a younger version of himself that he was hallucinating sort of thing yeah. and that it, it, there's a lot there's a lot of little tricks like that but it's not significant jumps of um, of, of time flashbacks oh, no, you can you, follow it, it, yeah. it the, the yeah. narrative runs chronologically to and it's very subtly done you know because you don't if you don't realise what the flash you know but it is a flashback mm. it won't matter to you no, no. What, you won't be disjointed you'll just you know and I, I think I'm being quite unfair actually in saying that whoever wrote the script or the dialogue had the easiest job he probably had the most difficult bit because you've then got to write a script that conveys all of this power this emotion this sense of what's going on without using words and fair play to the guy who played the the prison officer because with, without him saying anything until the point where he goes to visit his mother at the old people's home he very says pretty much nothing for, for 25 30 minutes he tells the end of a joke yes in the the locker room yeah he tells the end of his joke about a midget and, and <laughs> yeah. anyway um and then the only other words really he utters apart from in the, the nursing home when he's visiting his mother is swearing and snarling at, at um, prisoners in the midst of some extreme violence. Yeah. So it's not it's not um, actual dialogue in that sense. No. It's just part of aggression. Could be any words said really. It's lots of swearing. 
So, um, so absolutely, and and you're right that when it comes to dialogue, it, you know, to say what you need to say with less words rather than more is 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 a challenge in itself. So, script writing, you know, on this perhaps was was not an easy task, but um, the message was certainly certainly uh, impacted. Yeah, that. yeah. I mean, we've got three distinct parts to this, as I say. We've got the daily sort of like work a day routine of the prison guard who's played by Stuart Graham, as I say, and he's absolutely fantastic. I saw him on the interviews on the extra to the criterion version. And it was quite bizarre actually to hear him speak because I just sat and watched 90 minutes of a movie where he hardly says a word. And then he's like this, this very conversant, this very, you know, and he's, he's a really great actor and he's absolutely um, extolling the virtues of Steve McQueen and the scriptwriter to, to bring the story across. We also get the story of the two other prisoners that are played by um, Brian Milligan and Liam McMahon. Yeah. And it's their whole, it's, it's one of the guys first day in the prison. Now for me, I was, I was 11, 12 years old when all this was going on in real life. Um, the first thing I notice is, you know, when they're putting the cards into the slots outside the cell doors saying, this is yes. the prisoner's name. And the date hit me straight away. Now, you know that, with my love of the 60s and the other podcast, Rainbow Valley and all that lot. It was the 8th of December, 1980, that guy moves into that cell. Yeah. That's the day that John Lennon was assassinated. Yeah. So, I, didn't, so, I didn't pick up on that, it was, yeah. So at this point in time, I mean, I'm still thinking of doing an 80s podcast based on the similar sort of premise of the 60s ones that I do because the, the stories that revolving around this time are absolutely fascinating you know this is exactly the same time that the Yorkshire Ripper committed his last murder and would be caught you know six weeks later John Lennon dies at this point you've got the maze riots and the hunger strike and all this lot going on at this time as, as well it's a fascinating period in history um, and I remember it vividly and unfortunately as, as an 11 year old 12 year old child most of my memories of Bobby Sands and the Maze Prison unfortunately revolve around really sick jokes in the playground, which I can't remember now, thankfully. But I do remember it vividly as as being part of my, you know, learning about news. You know, you, you take more of an interest in news at that sort of age. I'm probably you were probably the same, weren't you? You know, when you sort of hit early teens, the news suddenly becomes something that wasn't strictly something that your parents would, would take an interest in? You start trying to um, understand what's going on out there beyond mm. your immediate vicinity, and it's, I think it's partly to do with the self-discovery bit when you're coming into yourself as an, uh, a beginning adult and you, you're looking at your place in the world, and yeah. if you look at your place in the world, you've got to have an understanding about what the world is. And I think those things play into each other absolutely, and why you, you to some extent you you're picking up on things like this, and you you're thinking, what's that? And obviously it's easier these days when they've got um, the internet to just you know oh, type yeah. in a, a thing and, and mm. look up any you know anything. It's the oh, wonderful yeah. Yeah. stage in that sense. Um, but then you were, you know, it was, a, it was something written in a newspaper or something on the six o'clock news, and the difficulty sometimes you had, you know, you were trying to you know pick up on what was being said um, on the news and people around you are busy, you know, talking about everyday matters and you're missing out, you know, in that sense. So, yeah, absolutely, it's a, a point of discovery 
for you at that age and mm. this as well as a number of other things that were happening at the time um how it was portrayed in the media i mean if you look back historically um, um see, this is the is thing a bit odd isn't it we we knew there was things going on in the maze prison you know we, we knew that the you know as political prisoners um the, the words dirty protest was used and, and until you watch yeah. this movie you have got no concept of what a dirty protest actually is. I was almost gagging, mate. I could smell it. How how did it affect you? I mean, because when this new prisoner first walks in, the first thing you see are are brown walls, basically. And and you know know what that is immediately. If you've got any insight into this story, you know what that cell, you know, how that has happened. And it's just, you know, the whole fact that the reason the guys are naked, it was called a, a, a blanket protest, wasn't it, mate? They go under the blanket, I think they said, was the term. Bla- yeah, blanket protest because they they refuse to wear the, the prison uniform. It's a uniform of a yeah, criminal. Normal prisoners, it's a criminal and they're not criminals there. Yeah. So they won't wear the, the uniform, so they're the non-conformist um, in the, the book. The, all they're given is is their, their blankets and um, actually... My awareness is that during the blanket protest, there was actually times when they weren't even allowed their blankets between, you know, like half past eight in the morning and and seven in the evening or something over. So they were were naked throughout the majority of the day, which no doubt that the prisons were most likely not kept to a a standard that we'd expect in our homes as far as staying warm. And Mm. so they would have been suffering for the majority of each day in in that sense but the, the yeah the, the dirty protest the the walls i think the walls didn't necessarily affect me as much as the um the slop in the corner the food yeah which they were yeah. mixing um and mixing with their own excrement and and then using for wall decoration yeah um, but it was also i think the it, you know the other thing was that it, it struck me and it uh, the fact that they, it wasn't just applied haphazardly onto the wall, they, 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 they seemed to be in some, you know, at least in that cell, they were doing it in a, a way where there were, you know, there was patterns to it and stuff. And, and there was, there was you know, one place kept quite clean as well, wasn't it? Or I think there was some yeah. writing on the wall that they kept as, 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 a, as a, you know, a little writing patch that they could use. Yeah, but yeah. yeah. There's that circular and pattern, isn't there, as you that say? The circle, the spiral, mm. in fact. Um, which, you know, imagine if you just sat and, and stared at the spiral, that could be quite mesmerising, um, yeah. even if you didn't have the uh, the smell to carry you. So, yeah, it was, it, understanding that, and that was very visceral, mm. um, and as you say, you could almost smell it the way that it was, it was portrayed. Yeah, as I say, that hit home for me. As somebody that was aware of the story, to actually see the the inner workings of the story being depicted in this way really made it really clear to me that I've, I'd, I'd sort of missed out on the real story. I'd missed out on half of what was actually being told when I was a kid. I didn't realise t- to the extent... Nobody did. Nobody knew to the extent what a dirty protest was. You know, it was just something that was bandied about on the news. And as you say as well, you know, <laughs> being mesmerised perhaps by a pattern on the wall... There's a marvellous scene at one point where a fly is at the window. On the grating. On the yeah. grating. And it, and it must, this must go on for about two minutes. And it's just literally the inmate toying with the fly, trying to get him to sit on his fingers and, and walking it around his hands. And 
this is the beauty of this movie that Steve McQueen can get away with a two minute sequence of film of somebody just playing with a fly and I don't know about you but within that two minutes you've got a real insight into that guy's head as to what's going on it's just like this is the only entertainment I've got this is just you know there's nothing in here for this me is the outside world this yeah is the isolation and the you know beyond the boredom of, of nothing else going on but this is uh you know that's that you know especially since visitation was was limited as well and at certain points granted some of them had somebody else in the cell with them yeah that was interaction the only interaction they had beyond the cellmate um was with uh, a fly that was you know to some extent probably brought in by the smells of what they put on of course the wall it was, yeah but yeah. um that odd situation of that interaction with the fly and i mean you know normally people would probably you know there's a fly they'd try and swat it and stuff like this and that the tenderness and the decision to just in- interact even with an insect having some form of interaction was was something that was prized yeah <laughs> the Maisie's version of the Birdman of alcatraz mate almost. exactly yeah <laughs> There's a quote I found online from an archbishop that, you know, used to visit the prisoners there. And I don't think it's the actual, the the guy we see, Liam Cunningham, the character played later, but it's an archbishop. And he actually said, I'm going to read this out. He said, one would hardly allow an animal to remain in such conditions, let alone a human being. The stench and the filth in some of the cells with the remains of the rotten food and human excretia scattered around the walls was almost unbearable. In two, I could not even speak for fear of vomiting. Now, these guys are in there 24-7, and this was just the guy that was visiting. So that brings it home as well. And I think it's the fact that there's no dialogue. There's, no, there's nobody walking into the, into the room going, oh, bloody hell, this stinks in here. And if you don't need anybody to say this. The, the visual skill that McQueen brings to this movie doesn't require a dialogue to explain to us exactly what's going on. We can see it. We could we could taste it almost, mate, you know. This leads into a, a, a very, very brutal scene when riot police are brought in or, or the guards are put into riot gear to actually sort of wash the prisoners. And running the gauntlet. Running the gauntlet, literally. The guys are dragged out of the cells one by one and they're made to run through... Two lines of riot police, shall we say, with with the riot shields yeah. and the sticks and the helmets the buttons, and all that lot yeah. and the batons. And not just run through these two lines of, of shields, but they are beaten to the ground as they do it. Yeah. And as they reach the other end, is this the bit where the cavity searches or is it the bit with the haircut? There's there's two parts, isn't there? There's It's the yeah, it's the, the um It's the cavity searches, the, isn't it, this part? Yeah. And it's it's very very telling that it's actually portrayed correctly that the cavity searches the you know where latex gloves mm. um, the decision is made to search the rectums mm. um, immediately before um, the mouth the mouth <laughs> yeah um, and you no know, we make jokes about when people are, are going to to have cameras. Um, uh, pushed into them for investigations about how you know how their innards are doing at, at the hospital, yeah. and they're having they're having one put down the mouth and the one putting up the bum, and they're saying, "Oh well, make sure they do the mouth first uh, In this, it was very deliberate to it was to um to do it that way around. Yeah, um, it's total humiliation. It was yeah, you know, making them squat over a mirror because of one of the little flashbacks we get. There's a scene earlier where you see that 
you know, the prison guard that's the focus of this part of the story with his bloody knuckles, that you see a long pair of scissors on the sink, which yeah. at the point has no relevance. You don't know what the scissors are there for. But immediately you then see, you know, these poor sods that are having their head pushed down onto a stool while their hair is forcibly being cut. But that I think, correct me if I'm wrong here, mate, is this to do with the fact that it's all just because it's at the point before they do a visit by family? Because the next scene you see is the is the family yeah. visits, isn't it? And they've got short hair. Yeah, but they're also all battered and bruised. Yeah. They're prioritising how they look with regards to ha- haircuts rather than the fact that they can open both eyes fully um, <laughs> yeah. and that they're not talking over the top of split lips. As you said, I mean, it is the bit where he, he misses the punch for, for Bobby Sands, who ducks out of the way and ends up punching the wall. But, exactly. Um, mm. Yeah, it's, it's, it, it is absolutely you know, a, an exercise in control. And, and then also about how they're portraying themselves to the outside world. It's, yeah, brutal. Mm, it is. It was, I mean, we, we've seen a few prison movies in our time, like, you know, Scum and McVicker and things like that. But this one really... Oh, hit home um for me yeah there was no ronnie barker in this this prison set <laughs> yeah, this wasn't porridge no the flesh. movie mate yeah there was yeah. there was no chance of um bobby sands escaping during the football match or anything mate no not in this one nothing to put it back in again yeah <laughs> no lukewarm um, i'd imagine all the food was lukewarm but um yeah, yeah and, and you know the visitation you know how that plays out where the you know the creative ways of smuggling in contraband, mate. Yeah, from you know, passing under the table from a, from from the uh, the girlfriend's vagina to the to the inmates, who are also uh, passing them. passing messages back the other way, aren't they? Through kissing, and there's a baby that's got something tucked in its clothes. That's quite enlightening as well, because they're using cigarette papers and writing with very very tiny writing to get as much information onto it. And one of the messages that is passed back says about negotiating about the clothing and then that scene is that there is some sort of give and take with regard to that that they are allowed clothing they are allowed civilian clothing yeah what kind of clothing well if you could imagine for people that haven't seen it a comedy sketch where somebody says we're going to do a comedy sketch set in the 70s so we need the most outrageous 70s clothing we can find is is that probably the best description of it mate it was it was, you know, the from the wardrobe department of the goodies. Exactly, or Billy Smart Circus. It was, yeah. it was that like the brown flares with the stripy shirts and these brown yeah, loafers, orange, orange, orange tank tops, tank and, tops. You know. Yeah, and and you could see the prison officers smirking as they're being handed out, the disgust on the prisoners' faces as they're taking them back to their cells, and then Bobby Sands kicks off spectacularly by trashing his cell, which then leads to all the other guys kicking off as well you know yeah and then again we get some insight into into the progression of the story here that the blanket protest has not worked it literally has not worked so it's well it's it's going to be talk of a hunger strike and and this is conveyed in the most incredible way i don't think i've ever seen this in a movie mate right up to this point this is literally the halfway point we've got 45 minutes of no dialogue pretty much literally no dialogue and we've worked out the story pretty much to our own devices we've got it we we understand what's going on 
must also mention it's prior to this point that the prison officer gets killed. Sorry, I'm jumping ahead here. Yeah, the the brutality to Bobby Sands um, has repercussions for um, the prison officer and, and historically throughout this particular period. Mm. There's some reference that during the hunger strike, there's whatever, 16... 16 prison officers 16 were killed. 16 on both sides, uh, more or less. Basically, whenever somebody dies uh, in the hunger strike, the, that then results in um, a prison tat. officer being... being been assassinated yeah and you've also got to remember this protest has been going on since 1977 you know the blanket protest has been going on for four years at this point so we see the prison officer murdered visiting his mum in the care home which is a fantastic scene because you're not expecting it whatsoever but what what i was hinting at here was the way mcqueen then does this next 20 minutes or so yeah um as I'm watching it, basically what happens, Liam Cunningham turns up to talk to Michael Fassbender and Liam Cunningham is playing a priest. So yeah. there's a little bit of conflare at the beginning with Liam Cunningham saying, yep, coming in, I'm going to do this, going to talk to him, blah, blah, blah. They sit at a table and we've got this fixed camera shot with Michael Fassbender to the left of the screen, Liam Cunningham to the right. And they start talking. They start having a conversation. Camera doesn't move, Right. After about two or three minutes, I'm thinking, for the benefit of this podcast, oh, this is an interesting little bit of dialogue. I might use this here. I was I was going to sort of sample it and bring it into the conversation here in the podcast, mate, and you know, just so the the, the listeners could have a listen to it mm, and double the length of the podcast. Well, <laughs> as it carried on, it wasn't three minutes. It went on, and it went on, and it went on, and nothing changes, does it, apart from? the lighting slightly changes over the 17 minutes as the sun is going down in the window. You know, the shadows start lengthening or whatever. And I don't know about you, but I didn't realise that I'd sat for over 22 minutes, I think it was, just watching two people have a conversation. I sat sat pretty much motionless myself, Mm. riveted by this. And yeah, I mean, the, it starts with small talk. Yeah, there's it, there's no turned, no meat to this at all, is there? Mm. A, a, a sort of more jousting with um, biting comments. Yeah, which then turns into the 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 serious, the political discussion about what is being planned and what the repercussions will be and what the you know what the the various you know each party feels about it and that different type of jousting almost arguing but you know uh, but it never you know the voices really don't change in the the level or you know there's more intensity certainly when they're discussing the political bits at the end rather than discussing the 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 general a small talk at the beginning but it doesn't get to a stage where the there's anger banging on tables or anything like it's a it's a continuous dialogue that just just melds all into one, um, yeah. which is you know um, draws you in and keeps you keeps you hooked. The thing that sort of hit me as we're going through this conversation is that Liam Cunningham, as the priest, he never refers to Sands' potential death, which is suicide. Basically, he never refers to it as being a sin. It's he it, he discusses it. He, he sort of says it's what use is it going to be. 
what you know, it's, it's it's discussed as a sort of matter of fact act. Yeah. You know, it's nothing. God's not brought into this conversation throughout this whole film. In fact, you know, the political aspect of it is not really dwelt upon. It's more about it's more about the conditions. It's more about what goes on with the prison officers and with the prisoners. It's not a political statement this, as such, is it? When it was looked at by by critics, mm. I think people put their own political spin on it and and judged the film according to their own politics, despite. Um, the fact that this didn't have, although it, you know, obviously it, it needed to be about Bobby Sands because it was, that was the story it was telling of who it was about. But it, it didn't have to be talking about the political struggle, the political points of the struggle within Northern Ireland. But it could be any political struggle, any prisoner that was prisoner of conscience in that sense. And you know, okay, yes, there had been crimes committed. This could be something set in middle, mid, modern day and being about uh, Muslim prisoners in Guantanamo Bay or, yes, or, yeah. or Palestinian prisoners in, in Israel or, you know, certain prisoners in China or whatever. It could mm. be, um, you know, transposed to some extent um, because it's it's about the prisoners using the only tools they have at their disposal yep. to actually get a message across and the sacrifice um, to do so for a cause, not about what's what's driven them to that, but about what that actually means, um, because the causes could be multitude, and obviously that's a, a, a different film that would be portrayed about the the troubles. This is a, this is about the humanity and the the loss, uh, or at least the attempt to remove humanity from the the, the people who are portrayed. Well, the priest actually says, doesn't he, when when Bobby Sands is going on about, well, look, this is the only option I've got left, and this, like what I said earlier, isn't it? It's the point where the only weapon you've got left is your body, basically, to protest yeah. or put across what you need to say. And, and he sort of says, well, you know, my death will have an impact. And he says, yeah, but by then you'll be dead. So what's the point? And it, it's just, it's, it's brought to a very realist level. There's no preaching on behalf of the priest here there's nothing from a religious point of view from what i could make out in that conversation as i say it was that that one shot was 17 minutes of just two people at a table and then the shot changes just to a headshot of michael fassbender and it goes on for another five yeah and we get this story of explaining what the flashback was earlier of him as a child i won't go too much into the story because i don't want to sort of spoil it a little bit, even, you know, people know the ending of what this actual story is. But this particular aspect of it, I want people to have the same impact that we had when they watched it, when he tells the story of um, of him as a child and what happens, which basically influences his whole outlook on life and the way he's become what he's become. Is it fair to say? I think that's, that's the, yeah, the anecdote he tells. Yeah, I, I think... There's some dramatic license on that because there was more into uh, Bobby Sands' background yeah. with regards to what's brought him to where he was within the the political cause. But certainly that as a as an incident to be a flashpoint, not to you know not to go into it at all because obviously it, w- it would reduce the impact. Yeah, uh, yeah. But it's it's you know it is important to um, to have that in there. And again. It doesn't have to be you taking any political side on it or having any political opinion. It's an illustration for you to observe rather than for you to to take sides on. And it can be 
applied to others elsewhere, obviously in history um, as well as current day with regards to what you know may cause people to go to the extremes they do in this kind of situation because they feel they have no option and the only the only thing they can do is use their their body then to make a statement mm. unfortunately well i i can't emphasize enough how much this movie it's almost groundbreaking the way this is done this movie because i wasn't expecting 45 minutes of no dialogue then followed by 22 minutes of intense dialogue then going into what we've actually been expecting the movie to be about which is the last 20 minutes which is the hunger strike itself but also one of the things that highlight just how fascinating a director steve mcqueen is similar to that scene with the fly okay mate when we spent two minutes of of the, the prisoner just sort of like toying with this fly immediately following this dialogue between um, Michael Fassbender and Liam Cunningham. Do you ever think, right, if I was if I was to tell you this before you'd watch the movie, that you would sit and watch a man sweep a floor for two and a half minutes in a movie? Yes, the after uh, uh, well, yeah, sweeping the, sweeping the floor, <laughs> you get at least I don't know what is it, fifteen twenty seconds of of walking the length of the cor- corridor. Yeah. Uh, sprinkling the the bleach yeah basically because of the dirty protests all the buckets of piss are being poured under the cell doors so every day somebody has to go with bleach and 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 just sweep the corridor between the cells and there's this scene it must be two two and a half minutes of a man sweeping a floor from one end of a corridor to the other a camera again that doesn't move and that's it now if i'd have told you last week you're going to watch a movie watch a man sweep a floor for two and a half minutes and you'll be gripped <laughs> because I, yeah. I wasn't expecting anything to happen at the end of it. I was, but I'm just like, what a great piece of cinema! It's weird. It's the weird that what the way this yeah, whole and, thing has and, affected and me. That is that is the thing. I mean, it, normally in a film, if you've seen a, a, a sort of a lengthy expose of of a, of a scene, it would be to a dramatic conclusion. It would be um, setting you up to give you that suspense of something waiting. unexpected at the yeah. end of it or and, something. And this yeah. wasn't. This was. Okay, there are films out there where they, they, you know, they're just trying to extend their runtime, and they put in things where you see, you know, mundane activities for too long, and they, there's no point in doing so. But for this, there was absolutely a point. Got to consider that who they would have got to, to, you know, who was doing that, and that was unlikely to have been somebody from the same community as as the, that was actually um, yeah. imprisoned because mm-hmm. of security risk. So that would have been somebody from the other side who, you know, was then, you know, it was almost like a, a, a pyrrhic victory for the um, for the prisoners that they were yeah. causing, you know, somebody from their, their enemy community to have to go and, and do that on a daily basis. Exactly. Which um, somebody from the other community interacting with them, I suppose that comes up again in the um, in the actual hunger strike part. Yes. Yeah. Isn't it? Well, this this is the next part, the final twenty minutes. As you say, Bobby Sands hasn't even been introduced until a good like 35 minutes into the movie anyway. And the actual hunger strike itself, which we've learnt from the dialogue, is going to be staggered because the hunger strike has been tried before, hasn't it, previously? And people, they yes. said, were dying all at the same time. They are all, all died because they stopped eating at the same time. They all started dying at the same time. So to create more of an impact, they're going to stagger the hunger strike at two weekly intervals so that somebody's dying every week. And it's, it's quite harsh when you think about it, you know. 
again, without trying to spoil too much here, you even if you haven't seen this film, ladies and gents, you know pretty much what you're going to let yourself in for here, especially as you, you realise it's Michael Fassbender and you know this guy can act, and we've seen method acting in the past before, mate, haven't we? Robert De Niro being a prime example of going to extremes. And, and Christian Bale as and well. Christian Bale in The Machinist. And it's on that level, if not surpassing it, mate, isn't it? Again, because there's very little dialogue for the next 20 minutes and it's a gradual deterioration of watching a man die, wordlessly, almost. It's frightening, it's horrible, but at the same time it's fascinating it's, it's just a masterclass of, of, of physical acting, mate. You know, it's, it was just an incredible 20-minute sequence. We know Michael Fassbender is, is somebody who puts into his performances. He's one of those that, that does it, as you say, method to that degree. And, OK, it was managed medically. Yes. But still, the, the, you know, you've not got special effects on the... the no. The, the, apart in, um, you know, you've got some makeup on there to create the sores, but... Still, the, the the actual skeletal figure is is absolutely what he um, truly did. Yeah. Um, Forty two pounds he lost. Just as in the way that they had with the dialogue bit, the intense dialogue with Liam uh, Cunningham, where they end up they moved in together and end up practicing five times a day and, and all this kind of stuff. That's what they said. Um, he had they had to move in, didn't they? Because there was no way they were going to be able to do twenty eight pages of dialogue just as a read round a table so they moved into the same apartment and even then i think they said it only took five takes didn't it to actually complete the yeah the same. Four or five takes yeah. and they got it they got it spot on yeah. um you know the same with this the, the you know it was michael fassbender putting in that work to achieve the goal and it you know it shows how acting isn't just when you do it that way it's not just a job you turn up and you you clock in and you you say the lines and pull the face and mm. wave your arms in the right direction and then you're done <laughs> and you, you clock out, you go home and the rest of you, you know, it's as if it's never happened. Um, this um, does spill over um, and the commitment being made for them to actually uh, convey this artistically yeah. um, is, is a commitment they they both obviously made in slightly different ways. But yeah, it's dramatic. You feel the, the agony because uh, mm. there's shots and shots and shots of him laying in the in in the bed or in the bath and you know um being weird and it's absolute and then the description that's been made here and there interspersed with his parents being updated about his medical condition yeah um by by an off-camera doctor who i was convinced sounded like michael smiley but um oh, yeah probably. he um that gives the background behind it that's the dialogue that there is but there isn't any dialogue from uh michael fassbender and um, there's not really any dialogue to him either. No. Um, and, there, know, there is one you, bit at the beginning of the hunger strike where the doctor relates exactly what is going to happen physically to him. Yeah. And he goes through all the symptoms of what will happen as his body breaks down and the pain he will be in. And that pain is just perfectly portrayed wordlessly for the next 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. You know, um, it's, it's horrible. It's a horrible thing to watch, but at the same time, it sounds horrible to say this, but it was also a beautiful piece of cinema. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, the the visual experience uh, of watching it, which is what conveys the torture of it over to you, absolutely make full artistic use of it to portray it. And it's not 
done in a sense of, of an abstract way uh, artistically. It's showing that in, in its most visceral sense, but still with a, a certain amount of, fortunately, a, a, a tragic beauty to it, which is very, you know, it's difficult to, to see, but also enthralling at the same time. Absolutely, it's um... and, uh, yeah, and it's you know you can and then there's the again as we referenced before with the sweeping of the the when we referred to the sweeping of the corridor, mm-hmm. it's then got the the orderly that's you know the big guy that's moving him around yeah um and we see um that uh, he's definitely from the uh, opposing community with his his knuckles yes. being tattooed with the UDA the yeah. Also, uh, Defence Association. So mm-hmm. then the, you, you're seeing how tenderly he puts the the, the frame over his body. There's two different people. There was two, two di- different people. Yeah, the guy that's oh, looking right, after right. him, that's taking care of him, swaps shifts with him halfway through his bath, and he right. sits there. The guy with the UDA tattoo takes over, while Michael Fassbender's already in the bath. Right. So it's highlighting the difference between the two sides because then what happens is when Michael Fassbender gets out of the bath, he just watches him fall uh, and, yeah. just, and just basically just carries him back to the bed. But then you then see another scene where the other orderly is there putting a sheepskin rug on the bed and, you know, getting the blanket over the frame and things like that. It's two different people, mate. Oh, right. Mm. That, that, that's more, yeah. more consistent then. Yeah. Um, that brings it home to you about what the, the sensitivity of to all feeling the body must be in, um, and that that's necessary even when it's some, it's a prisoner who is effectively that they're treating as an animal in an unusual sense. At that yeah. stage, it's it's when it moves into a medical situation that there is some treatment of, of this as a as a as human being suffering rather than being left to the worst. It's you know very poignant. Well, in summary for me, I think it's going to be no surprise that I'm giving this five stars. It was a film that I hadn't seen before. And it's definitely one of those ones that is not a Sunday afternoon matinee or a rainy bank holiday movie that we often describe, mate. You know, we've been talking about films that we've watched over the past. The British no, movies, no, no, no. It's, it's something that you've got to be prepared for. I mean, I watched it on a Thursday evening on, on Blu-ray. I don't know when I'll go back to it, but it's something I've got to watch again because it was just visually a spectacular-looking film that just activated a million different emotions within me while I was watching it. And I don't think I've fully appreciated the craft that Steve McQueen has, has, has displayed here even though i've you know i've i've tried to put it across in the last 45 minutes exactly how brilliant it is i think i need to watch it again just to appreciate it even more faultless performances all around faultless cinematography it's just if you want something a bit different in a british movie th- this is it this is it mate i mean what was your final thoughts on it yourself mate yeah i agree with everything you said i mean it's definitely a, a film that you need to be in the right frame of mind and prepare yourself for before watching. Um, I can't, you know, say to people, you know, usually when you're recommending a a film that has the standing of of this with regards to importance um, for not just the story it's telling, but the way in actual, actual fact it's portrayed, 
normally you know you say no we'll go out and find it and watch it on a streaming service mm. or, or wherever you can find it etc etc yeah. although to some extent that's true this is absolutely a film that you need to be making sure that you you approach in the right way because otherwise you end up being in a uh, if you're not in the right frame of mind you won't be able to make it past um the first Ooh. you know five ten minutes yes um yeah. just with the you know the way it's got no dialogue and you, you, the way it has that demand on your attention and it draws you in to the horror of the situation. Mm-hmm. You've got definitely got to be in the right frame of mind. It might not be for everybody, unfortunately, but certainly um, it's a film of you know exquisite quality yes. that people should consider making an effort to watch, particularly if you're, if you're a fan of, of cinema because of the... As you said the qualities you've said the the acting and the cinematography and the way in which the sparse dialogue is is used and then there's that intensity of dialogue and that the juxtaposition of the two highlights oh, it's, it's, the situation. Yeah, i can't it, highlight that enough mate that that shift from the first 45 minutes to that next 22 minute sequence is just it's a brave move but it works yeah Absolutely, yeah. And it, you know, it, it could have been a massive failure if it hadn't been done with the right director, the right script, and the right actors. Definitely, could not agree more with than that, mate. Absolutely. Mm. So, uh, the, and that sums up the film. To be honest, this this yeah. entire film could have been a massive failure if it hadn't been done with all those quality elements coming together to to create a masterpiece. To be perfectly honest. So. Glad you watched it in the end, mate. First time watch for you and for me. I mean, I'm I'm certainly glad I've seen it. Yeah, I'm not happy I watched it, but I'm no, glad. I know what you mean. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm glad that um, certainly I had experience of it, <laughs> and um, it probably will be something I go back and watch again, but not anytime soon, just because of the way it, it does. Mm. Yeah, it, it does weigh on you, you, you a bit. Yeah, well, it's a big recommend from both of us then. So that's that's Hunger from 2008, directed by Steve McQueen. I think it's your choice for the next episode, my friend. Let's hope it's something a bit lighter. Let's take a break. (laughs) Let's take a break. We'll be back after this. Film can actually be important. That what you do can actually have some kind of um, impact. When we did hunger, it became a thermometer to test the temperature of uh, what was going on in Belfast and uh, Northern Ireland and in Ireland and in, in, in the UK uh, regarding the, the regarding the hunger strike, regarding the dirty protest. Because I remember the, the premier in Belfast, people were hiding under tables and, and behind sofas, thinking, "Oh my God, it's going to go off. It's going to be terrible. The trouble's going to happen." But actually, what happened was nothing. And through this film, then people can actually have a dialogue about that particular time. Steve came from the art world uh, and sort of didn't sort of adhere to a rule book or a formula that perhaps maybe other people that have sort of worked their way through the sort of industry have, have sort of, you know, their work is sort of um, grounded in that. Um, so that was kind of like unusual and refreshing and you could see it from sort of, you know, the responses to the rest of the crew. I feel pretty confident, but my first day, of course, you're, 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 you're crapping yourself in a way. Um, but after that, you, it's almost like I was thrown in the deep end. I like that, because also what people do is they test you, of course. 
you know, your, your first, your, your, your first time director, they, then they throw everything at you, as well as the kitchen sink. That was the first thing that all of us noticed, is like you're not doing a wide, you know, establisher, mid, close-up, same for the other guy. It wasn't like that. We moved in a different way. There was almost a sort of fluid movement to it. And Steve uh, is sort of, you know, editing and using what he feels necessary at the time. So it was somebody that obviously came from a fresh place into the film world. And it's just a case of, you know, having to sort of uh, have your wits about you, but also having a sense of what the goal is. So I, I loved it. I mean, I, I, second day I was, I was up and running. I did get a, a great deal of focus from doing the sort of um, fasting part of the, the film. But, you know, the real crux of that film, I mean, the real sort of thing that we had to get right was the scene uh, between the priest and Bobby, you know, Liam and myself. Um, if we didn't get that right, it was such a sort of muscular and sort of um, layered piece that, you know, we always wanted to sort of do it in one. Always like that. It was like that, was like that in the script, so that was it. I mean, of course, there was a situation when after we showed it that people wanted us to do coverage and stuff like that. I said no. And of course, we had a little bit of an argy-bargy about that. But, you know, in the end of the day, you know, what we did was what we did, and I didn't do anything more. And I think they, that people understood it after they saw it that it was the best thing to do. Okay, that was Hunger 2008. Please seek it out. As I say, you've got to be in the right frame of mind to watch it. But we couldn't even tell you what the right frame of mind is, mate, could we, to, to watch no. this movie? I don't think you'll be completely prepared for it, no matter what. No. But if you want to see something that's of superior quality, um, a British film that really isn't spoken about, I'm pretty sure it isn't discussed as, as often as it should be. It is a fascinating piece of cinema, so... Please go go back and take a look at that, guys, if you haven't seen it. Stephen, it is your choice for the next episode, mate. What we got in store? Right, well, we've just discussed a film about the politics of Ireland um, and the part one man played in um, raising awareness of the the, the cause. Yes. Um, so we'll move on and we'll discuss uh, a man defending the people of an island and defending their politics and cause on, on the world stage of, in the diplomatic sense. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're moving on to a film from 1955 uh, and it's called Man of the Moment. 
Why do I know? I was going to say, why do I know that? <laughs> now, this one that's a little bit of a departure, isn't it? Is this the it's, one? That... Uh, it's. I mean, he's still, he's still normal wisdom doing what he's doing. I don't think it's that, that much of a leap from some of the other films. Right, it's a little bit of a departure because he's not quite, he's not quite the stereotypical. Well, he's still, he's to some extent, but not quite as much. But I think with the international setting, they were trying for. Uh, like we've said before about normal wisdom films at this stage, they were trying to find the formula a bit more and they didn't realise what worked and what didn't. So they were right. stretching themselves a little bit with this one and it's one of the less well-known yeah. in his yeah, catalogue, to be fair. I don't know if I've seen it or if I have. It's one of those ones that is tucked away deep in the recesses of my mind. I'm looking at the cast and I've suddenly remembered, is there anything for the Hall of Fame for this week, by the way? Liam Cunningham possibly is only like a second appearance, isn't he? I don't think there was anything. Oh, for the uh, for, for, for hunger, hunger, I've just suddenly remembered. Uh, the, there was only one second appearance. Liam. It was Liam Cunningham. Cunningham. Yeah, there uh, we go. No, he, there was the um, Stuart in front of me. Um, Stuart, uh, who played the um, prison guard. Oh uh, right, has he been in something? Stuart Graham. Yeah. Um, he was. The only one that had um, a repeat appearance. None of the rest had appeared before, he, but he'd appeared previously in uh, Butcher Boy. Fantastic. Right. So we won't dwell too much on the Hall of Fame. Yeah, no, well, we've, as I say, because there was no third appearance, it's yeah. all right for us to have, have missed that. Okay. But, um, but well, talking of, uh, you know, with, with regards to Man of the Moment, yeah. them trying to find the formula, the, the, the may have decided when they were doing this that there was a, a formula that helped having uh, Lana Morris. Um, yes, returned. she's back. She'd been yeah, in, um, troubling star she was in. Um, she is uh, returning in, in this one, along but, with uh, Jerry Desmond. Yeah, so we've we've got some semblance of the formula, but it's how much it's um, it, it's fitting with previous. But but yes, it's one of the less well known. So we'll we'll give our our view on where it should sit within the the catalogue, um, and it is the the next one in the series of catching up with them I think it's something we need after watching Hunger mate well I was trying to think (laughs) yeah that it might actually and uh, when I hit upon the idea of the the, you know politics of island politics because this is no wisdom you know becomes the the, uh, designated favourite of um, a a Pacific Island nation on the world stage due to a mistake and so it it involves politics and, and an island um, so it's with a transition <laughs> I, I felt was quite good. Um, I love the way your brain been, works. Certainly a bit of a palate cleanser. Yeah, I know. I love sense. the way your brain works, mate. And I'm just looking down this cast list. There are a thousand people in this. Have you looked at it? Yeah, I'm going to have a certain amount of more work on the, the oh. Village Hall of Fame when it comes to this one, as opposed to the um, yeah. hunger. I'm not going to give anything away, but there are some very, very familiar faces to this podcast. Yeah couple of favourites as well mate yeah well it's your choice so keep an eye out there mate for all the all the repeat offenders um, yeah. next week I'm really looking forward to that because it's about time we did Norman Wisdom as we say we're coming up to 100 episodes and we've only covered the two and it was something we really sort of decided we were going to focus on didn't we we wanted to do the whole wisdom catalogue yeah didn't and we? it's like we you know return to him and um, do a bit more catching up in that sense um, I felt this was the right time for us to to do that definitely um, yep. and um, you know take a few more of, of them off so you know 
we're not going to be doing the the next Bond immediately. That's we've got that penciled in. Yes, for, for the Sean Connery yeah. tribute. So, we? Yes. Um, so getting on with this was um, you know where we'll 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 go next, and uh, it'll be uh, a, a different um, feeling to what we got. Oh, my Thursday night will be a lot more enjoyable this time round, definitely. <laughs> but like I say, I enjoyed Hunger, but it's, yeah. it's but we always said it's difficult to actually say that you enjoy a movie that has that sort of subject matter. You know, it's it's quite difficult to explain the rationale behind it, but I think people need to see it for themselves. As, as yeah, it's like me and, you know, me and Smokey said about watching, um, it was Irreversible. Irreversible, we reviewed that with and you. And it's didn't like, we? yeah. well, yeah. Um, I, didn't, I didn't enjoy it, but I... Uh, <laughs> enjoyed yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. It, but, yeah, there was no other word, you know. Well, I'm definitely looking forward to this, because I, I must have seen this, but... It's ringing no bells whatsoever. Is this in colour? Uh, no, it's in black Still and white. Still black and white. Okay. 1955. Brilliant. Man of the moment next time round. Stephen, thank you for taking the time to talk about something that's a little bit harrowing, a little bit different to what we normally talk about. I mean, as we say, it was something I think people need to see uh, for Absolutely. themselves. Yeah. Okay. We'll be back a couple of weeks' time. Stephen, thanks as always, mate. See you soon. Take care. Good luck. Thank you. Hand up, sir. I'm sick of pains. <laughs>